Good evening. Glad to have you with us tonight. If you will, grab your songbook and stand with us and pay, turn to page 18. We are looking for a city. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a city. I'm looking for a home where I can go and not have to worry about anything else anymore. No sorrow, no sickness, nor death. Amen. All right. Everybody clap your hands if you have nothing else to do. Pat your foot. Whatever. Just glorify God tonight. Yeah. 
home. And he's also the dearest friend that we've ever had. Amen. And he's also, <laughs> we shall never forget the day that we <laughs> ask the Lord to come never into our hearts. And you know what? I want to tell you what. He is my dearest friend. Even when I make a mistake, he's still my dearest friend. He never looks Amen. down on me or anything. He always lifts me up. Amen. And we need to lift him up. Page 130. shall forget the day amen I never shall forget the day that I was able to find Jesus as my personal Savior I never shall forget the day when he reached down and took me out of the mire and rescued me amen I'm glad we have that Savior tonight thank you for coming tonight and joining us thank you for joining us by live feed I'm glad we can come into the house of the Lord and we can worship and praise his name.
And um, I wanted to bring to you tonight a story that came from the Christian Herald magazine. And it reads, One Sunday afternoon, my wife and I were taking a short walk when we were overtaken by a storm. We took shelter in a neighboring church where we found a special service for Sunday school scholars in progress. The priest was questioning the children and asked, What is a miracle? A little girl put up her hand and replied, Something we can't do, but Jesus can. The priest seemed surprised at this original answer and pressed for a response in more dignified English. Several chimed out the set answer he wanted. A parable in action was what he was looking for, and it seemed to satisfy him very well. But as I sat there and listened, it left me cold. But however, I was still thinking of the little child's definition. What is a miracle? Something we can't do, but Jesus can. Jesus performed many miracles while he was here on this earth. And if you ask me what a miracle was, I would say just as that little girl said, something we can't do, but Jesus can. Webster describes it as one, an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs, the healing miracles described in the Gospels. Two, as an extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing, or accomplishment. I could start telling you tonight of the times that God has healed me. But if I did, we'd be here all night. I could start telling you of the times that God has healed Daddy. But if I did, we'd be here all night. Because he's a God that shows up and shows out. He's a God that when things come up, there's only one thing we can say, and that's but God. Amen? Don't you just love my little oatmeal can here? Kaylin fixed it for me. It says, but God on it. There's no oatmeal inside, sorry. But anyways, it says, but God. But there's one thing that if I told you tonight, I would want to tell you about the time that I can remember so vividly, and it was when I was four years old. We were going to Indian Trail Church of God in Aurora, Illinois. And Pastor Walters was our pastor at that time. And the doctors had diagnosed me with a bad heart valve and said they were going to have to do open heart surgery on my heart that following Monday. That Sunday morning we was in church and Pastor Walters says, I want anyone that is sick to come forth. The Lord has told me to pray for the sick this morning. And Mama Nail, my grandmother, she picked me up in her arms and she took me to the altar. And people was lined up all over the altar. And I remember Brother Walter stepping out from behind the pulpit and he started on this side of the sanctuary. And I can see it even vividly now. And if you, you could ask my family, I have a hard time remembering things, especially from my childhood. Uh, I mean, to the point that it has concerned some of my family. But I remember this very vividly. 
And me and my grandmother was standing on, if you're looking at the pulpit, we was on the right-hand side of the pulpit. And he was going back, from, started from this side, and he was going down, and he was praying for everybody, laying hands on everyone. But then when he got to my grandmother, he walked around her and went to the next person. When he got finished, he started to walk back to her, but then immediately turned and come up to the stage, walked behind the pulpit, and laid his head down on the pulpit and cried like a baby, sobbing to the point he could not talk and almost to the point that he could not stand. And he holds his head up as high as he possibly could because the anointing was all over him. And he pointed his finger to my grandmother and he said, the Holy Spirit told me not to touch her because the work has already been done. Her heart is healed you are to go tomorrow before that open heart surgery and you're supposed to make the doctors do the test again because they will find nothing wrong we got up early that monday morning and we headed to the hospital and in illinois in the winter time you know the snow comes down like crazy so it was snowing and we was in dad's old truck that had the cover on the back of it and I was four years old, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, I was still sleeping. I was asleep. You didn't have to wear seatbelts back then. I was asleep in my grandmother's arms. She gets out of the car, and she goes into the hospital. And when she gets in there, and they're fixing to prep me and everything, she looks at the nurse, and she says, you're not to touch her until the doctor does more scans on her because there's nothing wrong with her heart now. We went to the church yesterday. And the pastor said, she's healed. Well, of course, they looked at her like she was crazy. But because on the persistency of my grandmother, the doctor said, do the test again to show them they're wrong. They done the test again, and the doctor stood there looking at that result and looking back at the old test, and looking back at the new test, and looking back at the old test. And then he turned around and he says, I have no idea what happened. I can't explain it. There is no scientific reason for it, but all I can tell you is that there is nothing wrong with her heart. It's exactly the way it should be. That is a but God moment, amen? That is when God reaches down and he touches you. Well, Sister Amanda, we don't want to hear about just you. I'm not up here telling you about just me. I'm up here telling you about the mercies and grace and healings of God. I'm here to tell you about but God. I was at a church preaching one Sunday morning. And I believe it was the first time I was at this church preaching. They're right down the road. And they had something just like this sitting on this side of the pulpit. And y'all think I get excited? Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. I'm just going to tell you, have they, Daddy? You ain't seen nothing yet. If Pastor would have took off running Sunday morning on them pews, I'd have probably been joining him. 
Because when the anointing of the Holy Ghost falls, I can't help it. It's what I love. It's what I long for. But I was preaching that Sunday morning, and I mean, I was going at it. And I was coming back up the steps, and I saw the can that says, but God. And the anointing grabbed a hold of me, and the Lord spoke to me and said, they have put a cap on me. And I stopped dead still in my tracks. And in front of everybody, I said, Lord, did I hear you right? And again, the Lord audibly said to me, they have put a cap on what I can do. And I started speaking to them. My message completely changed. As pastor says, it's not on the outline. I have no idea what all I said because the anointing began to speak through me. But I can tell you a little bit of it. I immediately grabbed a hold of that lid on that can that was labeled, but God. And I said, my God can do a lot of things. My God can set the captives free. My God can set those that are bound by depression and oppression free. My God can heal cancer when there's no healing. My God can heal AIDS when there's no healing. My God can restore restore a liver that they say needs a transplant. My God can restore a heart that they say half of it's dead. But it's time that we realize that but God is the one that's always on the scene. But it's time you need to make sure you don't put a limit on what your but God can do. And take off that cap and allow God to overflow on his mercies and his grace and his works. And as soon as I said whatever else I said, the anointing took over that morning. I'm not bragging about me. I'm telling you what the goodness and what the grace and what the anointing of the Holy Spirit can do. When you take the lid off, you allow the anointing to overflow. When you take the cap off, you, somebody needs to listen to me tonight. When you take the cap off, it can't stop. It keeps coming. And the glory and the anointing and the blessings keep flowing out as I was studying for this message for a few weeks now we were sitting here this past Sunday morning and pastor begins to speak his message and he's telling us different things and he began to say as he was preaching on to determine a persistent effort, which is part of his series, he began to tell us that we needed to make sure we, per we were persistent even if we had that cut on our finger. And he said, but you, and you know how he loves to tell us different things. He said his famous line, Brother Andy, they never put forth a persistent effort in the Bible. And as soon as he said that, I looked at Kaylin and I said, yes, they did too. I said, when the four men took off the roof so that they could let the man down because J.C. was in the house, Kaylin looked at me like I was crazy. What? 
I said, J.C. was in the house. What are you talking about, Mama? I said, my sermon for Wednesday night. She said, oh, okay. Well, then Pastor continued, and he said he wanted us to, if you'll go back and listen. He said he wanted us to turn to Acts. So I'm, I didn't call you Siri. You can go off. He wanted to, us to look to the book of Acts. And he said, wait a minute. Wait a minute, not Acts. He said, Mark chapter 2. And as soon as he said Mark chapter 2, my mouth dropped open. And I'm sitting here thinking, surely he's going to read about Jesus calling Matthew. Or he's going to call about Jesus eating with the sinners. Or he's even going to talk about being persistent with fasting because it's in that chapter 2. Or he's even going to talk about how we are being persistent with coming to church because he's talked about, you know, you let a paper cut get a hold of you. So surely he's going to talk about the Sabbath because that's in that chapter 2. Nope, he didn't. He said, turn to Mark chapter 2 and let's look at verses 2 through 5. I leaned up to Pastor Kerry. He is on my sermon for Wednesday night. I told a few Sunday afternoon and Sunday night, and they said, that's okay. God's wanting it to be heard. Go ahead with it. And I'm going to tell you, there's some things that God has given me tonight but as I was standing here just now, just as they tore the roof off, they took the cap off so that the blessings of God could flow. And it's time we take the cap off so that the blessings can flow in CV. Amen. It's time we take the cap off so that Coosa Valley Church of God can feel the blessings and the anointing to flow and flow out of this church. Amen. But if we look at this in chapter 1, I mean in Mark chapter 2 verse 1, it says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. The King James Version I like a little bit better because it says it was noised that he was in the house. I don't know how many of you know him. Some of you might. I know there's probably two in here that would. But I know you would know the name, but I don't know that you would know the song. But how many of you know the singer Carmen? Back in 2007, he had a song, and this is why I don't think some of you would know this, but he had a song that kind of leaned towards the rapper generation to try to entice them about Jesus. And the song was, Who's in the House? And they would say, JC's in the house. Well, when God began to give me this message, I could hear them going and saying, you need to come because Jesus Christ is in the house. You need to come see what's going on because Jesus is in the house. And if you look back in chapter 1, you find that Jesus had just said a man that was demonic, that was possessed by the demons, he had just set him free. And the people standing around was astonished at what he was doing. And they started going around and telling what Jesus is doing. Come see this man who is healing the blind and he's setting the captives free. Come see this man. We need to be going out and we need to start telling people, come see what Jesus Christ is doing at Coosa Valley. Come see the anointings that are flowing in our church. 
But Sister Amanda, we haven't seen many healed. We haven't seen demons cast out. We haven't seen many get saved. Wait, what? Why? Why haven't we? Because is Jesus not in the house? If he's in the house, did he not say in John chapter 14 and verse 2, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. We are supposed to do the works that Jesus done, and greater works than what he done. Are we not doing these works because we don't believe? I don't know about you, but I know I serve a God. I know I serve a God that still heals. I know I serve a God that still saves. But are we doing it because we've gotten lazy in the spirit? Go ahead. You can either say ouch or oh me. I said ouch when the Lord said it to me. When I was studying for this and the Lord said to me, you've gotten lazy in the spirit. Ouch. Lord, what do you mean? We're going to church. And I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking about churches in general. We're going to church. We're there when the doors are open. Yes, COVID may have set us back a little. But the Lord said, no, you've gotten lazy in the spirit. And then all of a sudden the Spirit spoke to me and said it's time you get a Spirit booster. Now when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. If there's a reason that the Holy Spirit is telling me we need a Spirit booster, it's not just you, it's me also. We need a Spirit booster. Forget, I know COVID's real, I'm not saying it's not, but forget about the COVID booster and get the Spirit booster and get a hold of the Spirit. Somebody needs to help me. But the spirit and the anointing is there for our taking. We just need to get off of our do-nothing backsides and we need to deep, deep, dip deeper into the spirit. That was a tongue twister. <laughs> we need to get deeper into the spirit, into the anointing of God. Verses 2 through 3. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. I'm telling you, didn't pastor preach a wonderful sermon Sunday morning? Yes, Sister Amanda, he did, so we don't need to hear you tonight. He told me to go with whatever God gave me because I let him know he got on my sermon. He said, oh, well, go with whatever God gave you. But in my 41 years... I have never heard it described the way he described it with the four that took the paralytic man. And that gave me a whole different look on that day. I know it was his version, and I know it was, you know, him digging into it and catching the audience, but... I got a hold of that in a way I've never got a hold of it before. Because if you can imagine that it was the four because they had seen and they had tasted but God. 
if we allow what we have seen and what we have tasted to take a hold of us and that be our desire and that be our motivation, this church would overflow. And if you want to say, well, Amanda, I don't remember what he exactly preached on. Well, I'm going to tell you to go back, and I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. Go to cvcog.church. There's three little lines. Well, it is on my Apple cell phone. There's three little lines. You click on them three little lines, and you go down to Live Feed Avenues. On that live feed avenues that you click on, you scroll down to the archived services. And then you click on that Sunday morning, which was November the 7th, and you listen to the man of God preach a wonderful sermon that Sunday morning. But I say that to say this. I'm not coming behind the pastor who is the man of God to uh, better his sermon because I grant you I can't. But I'm coming because for a reason, God is wanting you to hear this word right now. Why? I have no idea. But there is for some reason, you have to have the faith and that God kind of faith. And that God kind of faith, it's found in Hebrews 11 in verse 1. And I like the King James Version better. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's time we grab a hold of that faith because when we can grab a hold of the faith that God is talking about, that is when we can see the things that happen like they did that day in Capernaum at a house where Jesus was. Because that four had the faith. Verse 4. It says, And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. They couldn't get near him. They could not get anywhere near Jesus because Jesus had started meeting in houses. I got to thinking about this and I wondered, is it because when he walked down the streets, people knew who he was and they would come flooding him to try to get healed or they'd come flooding him because they wanted freedom? I began to wonder, did it begin to turn into a healing crusade when he walked, devil, you're not taking my voice, when he walked down the streets? Did it try did people try to get so close to him that he decided he needed to take it into the houses? Is he in our houses today? There's so much things that's going on. Is he in our houses today? Is he even in our churches? Is he in the White House? I'm not going to answer that on live feed. Is he in the White House? I'm not trying to get political. I'm trying to get real here. Is he in America? No, because they took him out of school. And when they took him out of school, they ripped him from the homes. We have allowed them to take our God away from us. No, he's right here, Sister Amanda. No, I want you to listen. When young people can get on 
internet and tell you to now start calling them a demon, we have problems. When we have people that get on life and tell you their life stories, what as far as I was raised stays behind closed doors. And people watch it. And even church people, come on now. What have we done? We need to realize that Jesus needs to get back in our houses. Jesus needs to get back in our schools. Jesus needs to get back in our politics. Jesus needs to get back in our lives, period. We need to get him back so that we can go and take the church out to the streets. We need to be able to go and say, come see what Jesus is doing. I believe that if we were taking a rank of the top ways to interrupt a sermon, I believe right here this would be number one. They literally begin to break the roof. Back then, the houses were made with a stairway running up to the roof. And you'd get up to the roof, and it was dirt tiles that was laid over beams and sometimes would have hay or twigs mixed in with them to keep them whole. And as they went up on this roof, they began to break. It wasn't clean, Sister Sarah. It was dirt. <laughs> they began to break that dirt. And that dirt began to come down and fall at Jesus' feet. And they let their friend down in front of him. Can you imagine importing people sitting on those front rows? Ones that can break you or they can make you. They were scribes and people listened to what they said. And they could have easily, immediately stopped Jesus' service right then and there. That bed that he was laying on represented so much. It represented the hopelessness. It represented the depression and the loneliness that he was beginning to feel. It represented the days that he felt like he was good for no one. But his friends came by. And they wanted to take him because they had heard of a man called Jesus Christ who had begun to show healings and had begun to show salvation for the ones that needed freedom. And all of a sudden, the four, can you imagine laying on your bed and all of a sudden those four Holy Ghost friends walk up and they say to you, we're carrying you to Coosa Valley Church of God. We've heard, and they believe in miracles, and they believe in breaking chains in that church. So come on. Y'all ought to be shouting right now. Don't worry. You come on. You come like you are. Don't worry what you look like. 
it's going to be okay because no one will look at you no way there. We've heard there's nothing but love there. And we're taking you and we're taking that bed so that when you're touched, you'll pick up that bed and you'll walk out and you'll signify that you have the authority over that bed and that bed no longer has authority over you. You will be able to carry it out. We need to bring friends and family to the Lord. We need to stand in faith for them. We need to stand in the gap. I can remember countless nights, and I believe he'd be okay with me saying this, in the name of Jesus. But I can remember countless nights of before my daddy got back right with God, of praying for him, of praying for him to come back and grab a hold of his calling and his anointing that Jesus had for him. It's time we don't just tell people about Jesus, but it's time we show them Jesus. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, but I needed to show him who Jesus was. I needed to show him the love of Jesus. And it's time that we show the love because you might be the only closest thing someone gets to Jesus. Verse 5, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I have read this verse several times in the last two weeks. But I was standing in a house today in Pell City that me and Daddy are working in. And I had this message going over in my head. And he had already asked me several times, are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? And I was, yes, sir. And finally I said, I've got the sermon going through my head. Oh, okay. One time he looked at me. He said, whoa. And I said, what? He said, are you sure you're okay? Yes, sir, I'm fine. He said, you look horrible. I said, wow, thanks, Daddy. <laughs> but I was just in silence, and I was thinking of the message. And all of a sudden, I said out loud, and I didn't realize I said it out loud until after he come back at me. But out loud, I said, wow. Daddy said, what? I said, the paralytic man didn't have to have a sacrifice. I hope you get this like I got it. The paralytic man did not have to have a sacrifice. He did not have to have Jesus' blood. All he had to have was Jesus to speak over him and say, Son, your sins are are forgiven. <laughs> he didn't need the blood because Jesus spoke it out of his mouth. Son, your sins are forgiven. What good would it have done for Jesus to just heal him because then he could have just had two healed legs that would have walked him right into hell had Jesus not forgave him. But instead, 
There's also those that say, oh, he can't be healed until he's saved. So Jesus took care of that and said, you're healed. You're saved. You're forgiven. Jesus himself spoke to him. That is the most greatest blessing I can think of. For the Son of God himself to look at you and say your sins have been forgiven. Verses 6 through 7, we find that the scribes were sitting there and they're thinking that Jesus is doing nothing but being blaspheming against God. Verses 8 and 10, we see how Jesus knows exactly what they're thinking. And he comes out to them and he tells them, I know your thoughts. Can you imagine at that moment the awkwardness that was in the room? Have you ever been in a situation where all of a sudden people seem to just be at each other's neck and then it gets quiet all of a sudden and tension is so strong in the room you could cut it with a knife? Can you imagine the awkwardness at this moment? Here the scribes are angry at Jesus because he has challenged them saying he was the son of God and he could save this man. But not only that, he's now telling them I'm also going to heal him. Here is the paralytic man and he's laying here and wondering if he's really going to heal him. The four men on the roof are in anticipation to see the miracle because they were the only ones, the Bible tells us, who came to the meeting with faith. Look what happens when you come with faith. They came with faith. And the owner of the house is standing there wondering how much it's going to cost to get that roof repaired. But Jesus... (laughs) I should have wrote on the other side, but Jesus. But Jesus was standing there. She picked the best color, red. I didn't even realize that. I didn't tell her what to pick. But that's the blood, amen? (laughs) But Jesus stood there. He had no worries. He immediately handled the tension that was in the room. And in verse 11... He looked and he said, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Right here. What would happen if that man was not healed? What would have happened at that very moment? The scribes would have jumped up and would have went running saying, See, see, we told you, he's not really who he says he is. He's not the son of God. The paralytic man would have just went on living his life of thinking he was not worth anything. The four on the roof would have tried to have to figure out how to get this man back up now. They would have to figure out how to pay for the repairs of this roof that they had just damaged. But no, that's not what happened. (laughs) Jesus looked at him 
And when he said, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Immediately in verse 12, we find, and he rose. He picked up his bed and he went out before them and they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Jesus could not fail. All he needed was his spoken word. All he needed to do was speak the word. But see, what's even greater is when Jesus did die and he shed his blood on Calvary for each and every one of us. He went to the grave, but he came out of the grave three days later with the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he gave us the authority. And once he gave us the authority, the words that Jesus spoke to the paralytic man, now we can take that authority and now we can speak it over anything in our life because but God, we take the lid off and we use the name of Jesus. Because when we use the name of Jesus, every demon has to flee. Well, I've used the name of Jesus and I haven't seen things go exactly the way I wanted to. When Lita was in the hospital and they called me, I didn't even know she was sick. And they called me and they said, Amanda, Mama's in the hospital. It's really bad. We need to get a hold of the throne room of God. They said she looked at the doctors before they put her on the ventilator and she said, do whatever you got to do to make me better. So that was the way we knew she was okay with going that route. But we need to fight for her spiritually. They didn't have to tell me that. I soon got off that phone and I found me a corner in my house and I literally plastered my face in that corner and I was homesick with it also. I plastered my face in that corner, Kaylin standing behind my back, rubbing on my back, and I'm saying in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, she has served you. God, please, in the name of Jesus, your healing blood flow in that room right now. That didn't happen. I didn't understand. God, why? And one night, I was sitting in my living room because I, I got to the place where I couldn't sleep at all. I was going three and four days without any sleep. And I sat in my living room. And all of a sudden, a song come on about when I see his face and when I see the glory and as soon as they said the word glory the Lord said she saw my glory and didn't want to come back I began to cry and utter I, I don't know how to explain it and it was just like the anointing come down in the room with me and I begin to pray for those that have lost ones during this time.
And I want to commend you, Sister Sarah, because you spoke to me in great words Sunday morning. You have went through a lot more than I have the last few months. But Sunday morning when we were singing, Great is thy faithfulness, your little sweet self had both hands raised up and was praising God and saying, Great is thy faithfulness. You helped me. You were a witness to me. For great is thy faithfulness, no matter what we go through. If we can say, great is thy faithfulness. No matter what happens, if we can cry out and say, yes, God, I know she's gone, but great is thy faithfulness. And I'm going to get even realer with you. They thought I had stomach cancer. But God come back and great is thy faithfulness. Now they have found two other things. I haven't got the report back yet. But I will tell you that last Sunday before last, when we began to sing about the healing of God, the anointing hit me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I could not sing. All I could do was stretch both hands out to God and begin to praise Him and begin to glorify Him because I felt a heat come over me. And great is thy faithfulness. I say that before you tonight on live stream that great is thy faithfulness. Devil is a liar. For there is a work that is to be done. And what way better than the devil to try to take out the pastor? Or what better way than the devil to try to take out the assistant pastor? Or what better way than for him to try to take out the members? I'm here to tell you that Coosa Valley Church of God is alive and well. And we will continue to fight because great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. Praise your mighty name, Jesus. We glorify you tonight. You are worthy of all praise and all honor and all glory. And we praise you tonight. We glorify you tonight, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you. We glorify you right now. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your wonderful name. Hallelujah. It's time we take the cap off, church. It's time we take the cap off and let the anointing to flow. Let God's anointing flow in a mighty way. I praise God tonight for his faithfulness. I thank him tonight for all the times that he has been there when we thought no one else was. Or that he's been there when we wanted to give up. And then the next thing you know, he shows up and he tells us, keep holding on. Great is thy faithfulness, Father. We praise you right now and we glorify you. Stand all over this house. We glorify you and we praise you right now, Father. 
We thank you for you are worthy of all praise and all honor and all glory. Praise your mighty name, Jesus. We glorify you for you are worthy of all praise and all honor. And we lift you up right now for great, great, great is thy faithfulness. We praise you right now, Father. We lift our voices to you right now to do nothing but to praise you because you are worthy of all praise. And we praise you right now. Glory and honor do you deserve this very moment. We praise you right now, Father. Glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah, I hope, I pray. And I believe that those of you that are watching by live stream are feeling the anointing in your house, on your couch, that, you, that we are feeling in this sanctuary right now. For great is His faithfulness. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Just raise your hands in your living room and start praising Him and start glorifying Him and let the anointing show up in your house right now. We praise you for you are worthy. You are worthy of all praise. Glory and honor. Ha. Hallelujah. You are worthy. You are worthy. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you for your faithfulness, Father. We praise you for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. Hallelujah. Praise your mighty name, Jesus. Praise your wonderful name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If there was one thing I would leave you with tonight... <laughs> It is to take up your bed <laughs> and to walk out <laughs> saying, I now have victory over you. Amen. <laughs> it no longer has victory over you, but you have victory over it. <laughs> we glorify you right now. Father, we thank you for filling your anointing. We praise you. Live stream, we thank you for being with us tonight. We tell you to come back and be with us Sunday morning, 9.45 for Sunday school, and 11 o'clock for worship. May God be with you as our prayer during these next few days. Amen.